Hello and welcome back to the CBM Effect. I am Liam McCarry, um, and it is a Friday afternoon and we are recording this podcast to go out next week. Uh, only a week now left until the gyms reopen. I cannot wait. I don't know about you. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have access to a gym this entire time, but at the same time, there's just a certain atmosphere and energy missing when there's no one around you and there's no, there's no music playing or anything like that. So super looking forward to getting back into that and then past that, just the normality of life getting back to normal with these restrictions easing. I don't know about any of you guys, but I could sure do with a holiday. Um, even trying to get a log cabin or something has just proven to be ridiculous. So this week marks the last week of my prep. As I say, it's Friday afternoon. Tomorrow I fly down to London and I'm going to compete in men's physique for the first time in two years. So by the time you hear this podcast, which will be scheduled for either Sunday or Monday, I'm not entirely sure which one yet, I will have competed and I cannot wait. I have done everything in my power. I have battled like I've never battled in my life to get in the best shape of my life. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Obviously gunning for that win, but what will be will be. I cannot control who will show up. But on that note, I as I pass prep, I want to make this a weekly regular thing where it comes out on the same day. So if any of you guys have any days of the week that it sounds like a good day for you to come out for the podcast, please do let me know uh, and I'll try and make it a thing of scheduling it for that. I'm, I'm thinking a Sunday or a Monday, but I am definitely open to suggestions based on what would suit you guys best because at the end of the day, this is for you. But anyway, moving on to today's topic, and I think it's a good one. We are now coming to the end of unprecedented times where we don't know how to have handled this situation in terms of our ability to stay on point with our plan. And a lot of us might be in a place where we now need to lose some body fat. And that brings us on to how to structure a diet and how to set up. Uh, I'm going to try and keep this as simple as possible, give you as much value as possible and as much takeaways as you can so that you can come off the back of this podcast and feel relatively confident in how to set something up. So... I'm going to look at big picture here. Yes, it's applicable to the here and now, but I'm going to talk about it so that if you're listening to this in 2023, two years down the line, you can still apply yourself to this. So the person that has the most success in their diet is going to be the person that has planned far in advance. Now, when I say diet, I am very much meaning an end goal in sight. We're not trying to make lifestyle changes and become healthier here. We are trying to achieve an end goal, perhaps a a summer beach body, perhaps you're going away on holiday, anything of the sort. So those who can plan in advance their diet and phase, put themselves in the best position possible are going to be the ones that do best. Like we need to think about big picture. Uh, I have more than once had a client come to me on low calories and they want to lose a ton of weight. And I've turned around to them and I've said, we're not in a good place to diet. Your calories are too low. Your output is too high. We need to manage your stress levels. We need to get back on top of your, your health, your digestion and understanding that our body needs to be primed to diet. Our body will provide resistance if we aren't careful in our approach. So what we need to consider here is two individuals. Say you want to diet tomorrow. Let's take person A and you're on. We're going to make this guys and one guy's on 2000 calories per day. He is doing cardio five times per week and he's hitting 15,000 steps and he's got 10 kilograms to lose. That's going to be tough. That's going to be really tough. Take another guy who's on three and a half thousand calories. He's hitting 6,000 steps a day and he's doing no cardio and he's got 10 kilograms to lose as well. Can you see how much easier it will be to use tools to be able to come out and make some changes? Because when we need to 
structure our diet, we need to consider the tools we have available to us in order to elicit change from the body to reduce body fat. Because understand that that fat has been stored there. That's your body's, in case of emergency, break glass, uh, emergency store, so to speak, of fat. It does not want to lose that. So we really need to be strategic in our approach to do so. So straight off the bat, we want to milk as little, uh, the most out of as little as possible. So say for example, we want to get started. We could drop calories by, depending on the individual and how high calories are, perhaps a few hundred a day. Perhaps we can increase your expenditure by say 2000 steps. Perhaps we increase your cardio by 30 to 60 minutes per week. That much on its own will bring about a deficit a lot of the time. And again, I, I want to touch on this because I've actually just posted about this today. Um, there is this massive trend though when it comes to dieting that is just a calorie deficit. Um, that's the podcast right there. We'll just finish that. It's just a calorie deficit, mate. Go and get on with it. <laughs> um, if it was as simple as that, I would not need a job. And it almost, it almost has a negative connotation if you're like, oh, well, if it's so simple, why can't I do it? And the answer is, is because it's not so simple. Yes, at its simplest form, we need to create an energy deficit where we're burning more calories than we consume across a given period of time. But we need to consider the bigger picture, things like stress management, like sleep, like digestion, our habits and behavior, regulating our hunger hormones, which can be all out of whack if we're not careful. So there's a lot more to it than that. So I suppose if we're taking a completely new diet, we need to consider, first of all, how are we going to structure our calories? So this is going to depend on the individual. Now, perhaps you don't want to think too much and you just want a seven day daily rate and you don't have to change or think about anything. You can just follow the same calories seven days a week. Perhaps you've got a partner or a family and you like to have a wee bit of a social occasion at the weekend. So perhaps we could have lower calories Monday to Friday or Sunday to Thursday and give you two high days at the weekend. Or perhaps you only need one high day and we run six lower days and one really higher day um, just to allow that little bit of flexibility in our approach. Um, it very much is when it comes to dieting, it's not a one size fits all. I say this to people when I'm onboarding them all the time. I will make a plan fit the individual, not an individual fit the plan. We could also consider a male or a female who is well into training and wants to maximize their performance, gain muscle. And we could have training day and non-training day calories. A training day being where you're doing a weight-based resistance workout. Um, more carbohydrates would go in, which would support performance, which would result in um, more recovery and our ability just to just maintain muscle mass because we don't really want to lose weight. We want to lose fat and we want to look good as we do so. And if we don't pay any particular attention to our body shape and we just want to lose weight, then what happens when we get down and we look like a wet noodle because we've not paid any attention to muscle mass or workouts and you're not actually happy with your shape and you thought you wanted to weigh a certain number, but you actually realize you're attached to how you thought you'd feel and look at a certain weight. So we need to consider straight off the bat our workouts as well. And that's one particular way we construction would be training day, non-training day. I also think when it comes to your diet, it is so, so, so important to look at the big picture week. It's something I drill into my clients all the time. One bad day will not make the difference to your progress and one good day 
you're not waking up with abs the next day. I'm sorry to tell you, one good day in your diet, you're not waking up with abs. And by having this flexible weekly approach, it allows day-to-day stressors of life to become less significant. Understanding that, okay, I had a really busy day yesterday. I only hit half my step count. I didn't manage a workout. I went over on calories by a couple hundred because I wasn't prepared. But knowing that you can pull your steps back across the rest of the week, knowing that you can do a workout on another day, you can cut your calories back across the day to make it average out that big picture week. Because going back to it, we need to burn more calories than we consume across a consistent period of time. And when we do that, when we take back more control of our day, we as humans, we love autonomy. We love to be in control of our choices and our our decisions. And the more in control we feel, the more we are going to thrive. If we can do that, we're going to reduce stress. As I've already spoke about now, stress is public enemy number one when it comes to any form of progress. We can take our autonomic nervous system and it can have two two branches, so to speak, parasympathetic and sympathetic. We're going to focus on when we're sympathetic dominant and that is our body's fight or flight response. Now understand that our body doesn't know how to distinguish stressors, it just knows how to respond to it. Imagine you're lifting cash one night and you get held at knife point or you're stressed out because you went over your calories and you think you fucked it. Your body doesn't know the difference, it just knows how to respond and with that response comes a ton of negative things. Things like our heart rate is going to go up, our blood pressure is going to rise, our body's ability to regulate our circadian rhythm is going to decrease, we are going to see a release of cortisol and adrenaline which in itself can come about things like water retention, bloating. It affects our frontal lobe of our brain, which is our body's control center, um, where we directly rely on things like adherence, motivation, willpower. That all can significantly decrease. We'll also see our blood sugar levels spike, which in other words means that we'll get more cravings. And being able to reduce that stress, we can stay away from the sympathetic driven state as much as possible. And it does have its place in with the workout, but this is a topic for another day. But just day to day, we want to stay more parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. Because again, when we're parasympathetic, digestion occurs. When we are sympathetic, digestion does not occur. It is inhibited. So that will explain why things like bloating can occur. We might have any um, gastric effects of the digestive system, just any bloating constipation, anything of the sort. And this can all come from just being stressed. I actually had a discussion with a client this week. Um, She had been major stressed at work and she wasn't losing weight. She had a week off work and she became more in control of her stress. She was happier. Stress levels dropped and we dropped like two or three kilograms in a week. Nothing changed. And I was like, that is a thriving body right there. That is in control of stress levels. So it's something to to consider as well. We also need to consider that at the start of a diet, things are going to be easier and then the longer we go for, the harder it's going to get. So straight away, we need to plan this diet and phase out, so to speak. We need to consider, right, what's our timeline? How long have we given ourselves? Knowing that the longer we give ourselves, the more time and flexibility we have. How much weight do I want to lose? So let's say you want to lose 12 kilograms in 12 weeks, let's keep it dead simple. That would give us a weekly rate of loss of one kilogram per week, which is what we'd be aiming for. Imagine you wanted to lose 12 kilograms in six weeks, you'd be trying to lose two, which is too much and that would not be enough time and that would make life very, very hard. So straight away when you're trying to set up your diet, you need to consider some form of end goal, some form of timeline, and then assess a weekly rate of loss from there. 
And then at that point, we can decide as we go on, we can start monitoring it. Because you will find in the first couple of weeks, the body can have high drops. And that can be to things like using up glycogen stored in the muscle. It can be subcutaneous water under the skin, which basically means you're holding water, we're using it up, we're getting rid of it. So it's not uncommon to lose a good two, three, four kilograms in the first week, depending on the individual. And then it'll slow down. And then that's when we really begin to drive into the deficit. Um, and I am a big fan of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that is why we monitor the situation on a weekly basis. We monitor things like measurements, progress pictures, scale readings, how we look and feel, how our clothes feel. And whilst the scales can have negative connotations and they can put us all out of sync for no good reason, it does provide an indicator of progression. And if that scale weight isn't moving for too long, then yes, body composition can play into things. But if we have a lot of weight to lose and that scale weight's not moving, then we know we're not in as much of a deficit as we need to be. And for the purpose of this podcast, I am going to assume that the individual in context here is following the plan consistently, efficiently and accurately, because a lot of the time, consistency will trump magical changes but let's assume you're following the plan consistently and we're we're not losing weight the way we need it to at this point then we know we're going to need to make a change and we've got the decision at this point where do we make the changes from how much do we make and again it'll all come back to the timeline but i'm going to give you some generic general rule of thumbs here so we need to consider as i've already spoke about workout performance in this the hungrier we are the more our workout performance will suffer the more our our body's ability to sleep and recover will diminish as well so we want to stay on top of that we want to stay on top of recovery i hope you can't hear that that is my doorbell ringing and i am not quitting we are doing this in a one take so let's assume that hunger is in an okay place we know that we're going to be better to pull down food keep expenditure low as well we can use that at a later date for when hunger is higher so Small changes is all that's needed here. A general rule of thumb would be somewhere in the range of 100 to 150 calorie drop daily. Now, you're going to want to take that from carbohydrates. Um, We've got our three main macros. We have proteins, carbs, and fats. Proteins and fats are essential macronutrients to the body. We need them. We cannot survive without them. Whereas carbohydrates are not, but our quality of life is a lot better with them. I think you'll agree with me. But when we're looking to drop, we'd want to keep protein at a consistent level because that's going to provide the growth and repair. It's going to support the recovery process, the development of strength and lean muscle tissue where possible. Um, And it's going to have the satiety effect. You're going to help. You're going to feel full as well. You're going to want to keep your protein at a consistent higher end level on a diet. Whereas we can begin to pull away from carbs. um, And for the baseline of 100 to 160 per day, we'd be looking at 25 to 40 grams of carbs per day. And that's how we would do that. Now, let's say we wanted to increase cardio and steps because hunger was a little bit higher and we didn't want to get any hungrier than that. What we could consider then at that point would be something perhaps like as little as one and a half to 2,000 steps extra per day would be enough. Understand that when we're trying to burn calories throughout a day, out with our BMR, we are going to burn most calories through our daily movement, things like step count. And just upping it by, say, 2,000 a day can make all the difference Because again, circling back to what I said initially, um, when we are in a deficit, our body doesn't want to be here. Your body will subconsciously do things to conserve that energy. And you might find yourself, the deeper you get into a diet, moving less. Like, yes, you're going to feel good initially, but if you're deep into a deficit and you're tired and you're hungry, 
you might find that you're sitting about a little bit more and that's when it's going to become more important to have a step count in place to ensure that you're consistently moving the same amount each day to ensure that you're consistently moving and burning that same amount of calories our bodies can adapt very quickly if we're not careful so staying on top of these things is a big thing in terms of how much cardio i would use i would increase from anywhere depending on the individual from 30 to 60 minutes per week i don't feel like any more than that would be needed and i've seen great results from just as little as 30 minutes per week how you do your cardio again going back to autonomy it would be up to you um with most people i'm like the less you dislike the cardio that you're doing the more likely you are to do it so giving people control of that will be entirely up to them um, in terms of the workouts, you might be wondering, should I change how I would do my workout? Will that make a difference? The workouts, whilst they are a tool for expenditure, they are not something that are massively important. The workouts you do at the beginning or with the workouts you do at the end, there'd be no need to change and do high high reps, low weight, uh, or lightweight, sorry. Uh, this is a very flawed belief that it's gonna make the difference. And, and what in actual fact it's gonna do is you're gonna undo a lot of hard work, you're gonna lose muscle. Remembering that what built your muscle will keep your muscle. Progressive overload is king. Always trying to get stronger, improve your performance, not significantly lowering the load and going for the burn. That is something I would not recommend to anybody. I would recommend keeping the same amount of workouts, the same workout style throughout. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Remember that. So again, we've got our how we could make changes. In terms of how many you'd make, it goes back to timeline. At the beginning, you could make one. Perhaps you're a little bit on and you're a little bit further behind, then perhaps we need to increase your steps and decrease your, your calories. It's just going to be context dependent on the individual. But the more you can monitor this um, the way your body's responding, the better idea you'll have. Remember this, we can't manage what we don't measure. We need to measure all these factors. We need to stay in control. We need to know what's happening. Otherwise, we're just swinging about in the dark with our eyes closed. Remember, stay on top of these things and monitor it. Monitor the visuals, monitor the scale weight because the scale weight, it can say, it can say 10 different things for 10 different reasons. Particularly if you're a female, the hormonal cycle comes into it massively. And that is something I will cover in a later podcast at a later date. But if our body composition is getting better week to week, then that is a solid indicator that you're moving in the right direction. Say you check in one week to the next, scale weights to the same, but your measurements are down and you're looking leaner. Then that's okay. We can go with that. We can continue to go with that. So then as we get onto it as well, the deeper we get into the deficit, again, I need to stress this. Dieting doesn't have to be hard if you're not trying to get too lean, but let's say you want to get in semi-good nick. What comes with it will be hunger will be a decrease in energy level and will be a buildup of fatigue. And it's completely normal. Now, unless you're trying to get fat free, like shredded to the bone like me, it should never be to the point where it's really suffering and your quality of life is low. But understanding that when you feel these things, it is just a sign that the deficit is working. Um, you've got a bit of hunger there, good. It means you're in a deficit. Like you, ca you cannot diet, you cannot lose significant amounts of body fat without feeling hungry at some time or another. Think of it like this. You're perhaps trying to create a change or become a version of yourself you never have done before. That means you're going to have to do things. You're going to have to feel things, experience things that you've never done before. If you want to stay the same, continue to do the same. So just remember that as well. Yeah. And then when we're going through this, then we need to consider our choices, our behaviors, our actions within this diet in order to keep our sanity high, in order to put ourselves in the best position possible where we're happiest and it's not getting our mood down too much. So things like 
mealtime and around your hunger. It doesn't matter what time of day you eat. It doesn't matter how many meals you have. It is best suited to the individual, nine times out of 10. The person listening to this podcast is most likely a general population client, not a bodybuilding one. That'll be a little bit different. For your jet, we call that gen pop. For your gen pop client, I would just think about this. Be mindful of your body and your hunger signals day to day. When are you less hungry? When are you more hungry? It might be worth pulling more calories from when you're not hungry so you can have more when you are. So for me, for example, I'm not too bad in the morning. I can fast for a little while, but I get a little bit peckish at night. And that generally comes from beginning to wind down. We have more free time. We're bored. We're not busy with our day-to-day jobs. And perhaps we associate activities like sitting down at the TV with food. So being able to have a little bit more calories at night can just make you feel a little bit better. Use them when you need them. Again, listening to your body is going to be a big thing. I spoke about habits and association there. You need to be asking yourself on this. Am I hungry? Is my body needing something or is my brain wanting something because it's bored or because it associates an activity with food? That is a massive question you need to ask yourself. You need to be really mindful of these kind of things um, because it makes all the difference. We obviously do have hunger hormones, ghrelin and leptin. I'm not going to get into that today, but they do signal hunger um, versus fullness as well. Um, and the more we are on top of these hormones, the better position we'll be in. But just thinking about your meal timing around your hunger will be a massive one. Um, I also think it's important to be able to include foods you love in there. Um, being aware of the caloric content, of course, a healthy snack that people deem healthy online is going to be probably double the amount of your favorite chocolate bar. So be smart with your caloric choices. Understand the 80-20 rule. If 80% of our food quality is good, the other 20% can be whatever the hell you want, particularly in the earlier stages of the diet where we don't feel restricted and we have a lot more control of what we eat. So with that comes satiety and food volume. We need to consider our choices when it comes to diet and revolving around food. So you need to consider how full does a food make you versus how empty does it make you feel. Like for example, you waste your half your calories on 10 packets of crisps, you're not going to feel any fuller. But if you could have things like potatoes or porridge, things that will heat you up, things that will keep you going for longer, you're going to feel a lot fuller. Having more protein is going to help you feel a lot fuller. Food volume as well. The more you can eat that's high volume, low calorie, the better. That's why I always encourage people to bulk up their meals with green veg. It's basically free calories. 100 grams, you've got like 10, 15 calories. It's, it's not even worth tracking. Just have it. Um, whereas like if you were to have, say we take 50 grams of carbs worth of cocoa pops versus 50 grams of carbs worth of porridge which one's going to fill you up more you need to be sensible with these choices especially the hungrier you are you need to consider what foods fill you up you need to consider the volume of foods Uh, a few weeks ago i switched from protein shakes to egg whites because egg whites take longer to consume they fill me up more it's more satisfying and again it's just being in control of your choices being mindful being smart about these things Um, We need to also consider how do we deal with hunger? Perhaps you're in a situation where you want to diet for the first time. You've never been hungry. You've never had to finish a meal not feeling satisfied before. And there is going to come part of it that is just a case of suck it up and get on with it. I'm not going to lie to you. We we need to get on with it. We're doing things. We're doing different things to become a different version of ourselves that we never have been before. But going back to food volume, bulking up your meals with green veg, drinking more fluid, um, 
Hot drinks work really well. Just be careful of caffeine consumption later at night. Chewing gum can really help. Um, going back to just revolving calories around when you're more hungry, timing your meals a little bit better to that. All these things work. But the more you can keep yourself busy as well, the less you'll notice your hunger. As I say, like at nighttime when we've got more free time on our hands, at the weekends when we've got more free time on our hands, we, we lose our routine, our day-to-day routine. We're more noticeable of these things. So that can be some really handy things there as well. Um, you may have obviously heard as well about terms on Instagram such as flat or refeed days as well. You might have even seen myself post about that. Uh, I'm here to tell you now that I can almost guarantee you don't need a refeed. You might be a little bit flat, but you're not really flat. Flat is when you've been dieting hard for months and you're depleted of glycogen because you're actively trying to get very, very, very lean. So those are two terms you don't ever need to really worry about. Flat and refeed, get them out of your vocabulary. You don't need to worry about those. Um, and then as we approach the end of the diet, we need to consider this. We have entered into a long deficit for a long time and we cannot just go back to how we were beforehand. Otherwise, you're going to put all that fat back on. Um, I remember I dieted two years ago and couldn't control my food cravings by the end of it. I dieted six months to get abs, never had abs in my life. And I lost them within a week and gained about 14 kilograms because I ate like an arsehole. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, it was a learning curve and I lost about half of that. I needed to gain like four or five of that kilograms anyway. But it's just being careful of your choices. And this is where we call the reverse diet out and it's the gradual approach out of the deficit. So it would be where we increase your calories, decrease your expenditure. But let's take, for example, you're on, you finish on 1800 calories, 15,000 steps a day, two hours of cardio a week. You're not going to go down to 5,000 steps, zero cardio and 3,000 calories. You're going to maybe half your cardio. You could bring the steps down to 10,000 average and perhaps bump up your calories by three or 400 initially. And then the, the same gradual changes you make on the way down, you can make on the way up, continuing to monitor the situation. But the leaner you finish, the more susceptible your body's going to be to soak up these nutrients it was lean it's sensitive and if we play it smart you can finish in a really nice position there so i've given you a fair whack to think about here um i've got my wee notepad with me to take some notes uh i think we've got everything i hope there's been a lot that you can think about here um if, as always, if this has been of benefit to you, I'd love for you to stick me on your story, tag this podcast, bigger exposure equals bigger audience means I can help more people, which is at the end of the day, my number one goal. Uh, and as always, if you do have any feedback, I am a massive fan of constructive feedback, constructive criticism, anything you want to see, anything you want to hear, anything you want expanded upon, please do ask. But I hope this gave you a sort of baseline understanding of some of the most important factors in the diet, some of the changes considered and just realizing that we don't have to use every single tool at once. If there's one thing I want you to take away when you're doing your diet, use your tools sparingly, only as you need them. Get the most out of the least and then drip feed them in. Don't use them all at once because if you use them all at once and you only get halfway to where you want to be and things plateau, you're stuck. You're up shit creek and the quality of life will quickly drop. So Remember that use only as you need them, monitor the situation closely, set yourself a timeline and a plan, and you can finish this in a great position. Now, next podcast up will be a podcast on how to approach our return to the gyms. And I will catch up with you next week. I am away to pack to go to London. So have a great weekend. Well, I hope you had a great weekend by the time you hear this and catch up with you all next week. Cheers.